Today on the Free Your Energy podcast, I, Sylvester McNutt III, am joined by Ashton Van Charles, a musician from Phoenix, Arizona. In this conversation, we talk about the inner and outer transformation. We also talk about being dapper, dressing well, style, and how clothing can make you unique. We talk about Colin Kaepernick, Nike, and branding. We go into the introvert and extrovert scale, as well as we talk about different things and different elements that affect one's perception of self. We talked about his journey as a musician, how he got started, and how he ended up on tour. And of course, we brought it home with talking about some of his goals and some of the things that he is working on personally and professionally in the upcoming time. This episode of the Free Your Energy podcast is sponsored by the Free Your Energy book. You can get the book on Amazon.com or SylvesterMcNutt.net. Go get some tea, some coffee, and tune in to this episode of the Free Your Energy podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Free Your Energy podcast. Today, I'm drinking tea with a guest, with a hardworking man, a smart man, a humble man. <laughs> See, anybody who comes on here, I have to brag for them because, you know, I'm that friend. I'm the friend that'll brag for you. <laughs> a member of the Color 8 Band, which is a local band here that started in Phoenix. Indeed. While maintaining a full-time job. A full-time <laughs> artist and a full-time worker. Let me tell you, that stuff ain't easy, but, you know, we are, we are here doing it, too. This is, this is everybody else's. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the voice of Mr. Ashton Von Charles. I want to make sure I pronounce it right. That's, like a, that's a big deal to me. Yeah, you know, the fact that you even pay attention to that kind of detail, intentionally so, it means a lot more than you think. Well, you probably already know, but oftentimes people say, oh, Ashton Van Charles, Ashton, whatever. And I'm like, some people, you know, just like, oh, yeah, sir, whatever. No, my name is my name. Say my name right. Exactly. I'm coming, I'm coming to your platform, your show. Uh, your house. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Know my name, please. Yes, exactly. And I've been on the other side. I made the mistake before. Um, but I do my absolute best to make sure I respect the artist that comes on, you know, just mm-hmm. as you do. Let's start off with figuring out how you got here today. <laughs> how, how did you get to, to this meeting right here with me today? How did that happen? <laughs> uh, let's see. You know... Uh, Sylvester McNutt, you are a busy man. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've known you for what, like for almost five years now. Now mm-hmm. I think about it, and mm-hmm. I remember when I met you, I didn't even know who you were, but I, I was like, you're, you're dope. You know, you're cool. You're, you're cool as hell, and uh, I want to connect with you somehow. Whatever. I found out later that you're, you know, uh, what your artistry is, and I'm like, oh, very impressive. You know, mm-hmm. but I'm grateful to know you, right? Ever since then, like I've seen you in passing here and there, I right. always love every single time we speak. Right. I remember almost not recognizing you when you first cut your hair. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, is that? Oh, that is? No. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, I used to have dreadlocks. Uh, I had the dreadlocks for about four years, I want to say. You had some hang time, too. Man. Oh, that, man, them things were quick. <laughs> I had some good hang time. For you guys not up on urban vernacular, Hang time is the, the the length of how far your hair goes off mm-hmm. of your shoulder. Hang time. Exactly. How long how long it hangs. Yeah. Yeah, I had some good hang time. 
You ever had dreads? No, I didn't. What I, do you uh, have going on there now? Is that is that a starter dread? Uh, actually, I'm just letting it be. Just letting it be. I um, I went through a lot of immense transformations in the past year and a half. Mm. Um, one of which, and we can expound on later if you wish to. Oh, we can do it now. Okay. Well, shit. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of which was learning that I was still hiding behind my glasses and the fresh edge up and. Um, feeling the need to wear a suit every day. And so when I realized that, because I remember years ago, I let go of the need to um, to dress for anybody but myself, years ago. Um, and I was okay with not always having a haircut, but I still wanted it. I thought I was doing well with that. And then I remember one time last year, about a year and a half ago, a year and some months ago, um, I had forgotten my glasses at home. And I was like, okay, I'll just continue the day. As soon as I stepped out of the car, I felt naked. I felt like like too vulnerable. And for somebody like me who always emphasizes and speaks to vulnerability and tries to encourage people to step more into vulnerability, me feeling scared in that vulnerability to the point of wanting to go home proved to myself that, okay, I need to unpack this shit now. Mm -hmm. So... From that day on, because my glasses, they're, you know, they're still prescription, but they're a light prescription. Mm -hmm. And I was still hiding behind them, so I wore them everywhere. People did not know my eyes. They just didn't. Excuse me. So from that day, literally that same day, I stopped wearing my glasses. Um, I stopped cutting my hair. I've been, I'm blessed enough to not, like, I'd still, like, they're, you know, they're light prescriptions, so I'm blessed enough to be able to function without them. Like, I can still drive and everything. I'm fine. Um... But I stopped wearing my glasses. I stopped cutting my hair. I stopped all of that. I occasionally I might trim my, the mustache a little bit just to keep it out of my mouth. But that's that's about <laughs> it, though, you know. Right, right. Um. The last time I cut my hair, yeah, all that was like a year ago, and I just don't grow a lot of facial hair. But I haven't cut that either. <laughs> it's if I find it uh, reminiscent of uh, to a certain degree, of course. Like when if you see a woman who let's say stops wearing makeup. Um, and they get to a point where they intentionally don't wear makeup until they grow to a space where now they can wear makeup, but they only do it because they choose to, not by necessity. And that's how I feel about a haircut, like as an example, or wearing a suit. Because I still like to wear suits all the time, but you might catch me in some PJs and I just don't care. Where did that originally come from? <clears throat> My experience with you is every time I've seen you, you've been, uh, we'll use the word dapper. Yeah. Well dressed. Um, Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, very well dressed. Where did that come from for you? Um, because you identified it as almost as like an insecurity. Mm. Is it, was it something that you kind of had examples of growing up of men dressing like that? Or did you see the, the opposite? Like, what's the root of that for you? I very much saw the opposite growing up. My, um, um, a lot of the male figures in my, in my family, the men were all like, more along the lines of like West Coast gangster type stuff, you know? And my mom actually, like coming up in that family too, she was the one who really broke the cycle of a lot of that. And I think I was put on the pedestal through that, you know, just because I was her firstborn and I was, uh, I think the first man to graduate high school in my, in my family, I believe. And that's just high school, you know? Congratulations. Uh, but thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah. It's, um, but at the same time, you know, like I, uh, Eventually, I started to find my own path, but I always admired the way uh, we look in suits anyway. But I didn't really know how to dress really like that, like that. 
I had my own style in high school back when we used to wear tall tees and stuff, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I would tweak it, but yeah. I was still wearing the same thing, you know? Right. But um, when I started, like, finding suits that actually fit me right or getting, like, getting them tailored, I think it was at a wedding once and I got it tailored. And I was like, oh, this looks nice, you know? Because <laughs> right. I, I still wore suits at the time, but when I got one that was tailored, I'm like, this is what I want, this right here. And I remember um, maybe a year before I met you, um, my mom and my grandma gifted me a personally tailored suit. It was really expensive too. Um, and when I had that and the, I was fitted for it and then I came back like the next two days and it was ready and I put it on and it fit like a glove and it was perfect. And ever since then, I was, cause I was already dressing in suits, but at that point I'm like, this needs to be all the time because I just love this. I love the way mm-hmm. I feel in this. And it's not so much for everybody else cause I am going to be me, not for you, but I will also share you, share me with you, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But yeah, I was dressing in a suit literally every day, you know, for years. <laughs> what's your What's your ratio now of suits versus non suits, uh, and are you required to wear one for your job? Um, ironically, for my job, I I used to work in like insurance where they would love to you know see suits and stuff or whatever all the mm-hmm. time. They didn't care, but they would still like it. I just did it all the time anyway, but. Now I drive a truck because it has the schedule that I need and also is lucrative enough for me to maintain. Um, so it's a perfect balance. So for work, I'm in rags. <laughs> um, so your suits are the perfect balance. Yeah, literally rags. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay. And um, sometimes I wear, you know, I wear jeans and a blazer like today. Um, but the ratio, let me see. As far as aside from work, um, I'm probably in a suit maybe like. Uh, like at least a blazer like four out of five times um because like i well i can't even say four out of five times unless i'm like going to walmart real quick or i have to do something that's going to take like some work like help somebody move i'm in a suit i'm in a blazer or something just because i like that but i no longer feel bound by that i want to ask you about excuse me this little cold caught up to me Mm. i want to ask you about just masculinity um and dress, you know, dressing and masculinity. Mm. For a little context, I feel like American men dress like shit. <laughs> I just, I, I, I can't think of another way to say it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like American men dress like shit, and I feel like the way you dress can reflect a lot of things. It could reflect um, the image you want to give off. Mm. It could feel also reflect how you do feel inside. But kind of something you maybe alluded to a little bit is how it may not be either or. It's it, it's it's almost like an insecurity or something that you're you're trying to mask, like your glasses, like you're trying to kind of hover yourself. So I guess my question to you is, like as men, uh, American men, how are we supposed to dress? <laughs> you know, because throughout different times, there's a particular hey, dress this way. You you know, how are we supposed to dress? Uh, let's see. All right, to unpack that, let's... <laughs> I know, it's a lot. Like... Um, okay, and this is all... This is subjective, mm-hmm. okay? But um, so is dress. So is fashion, style, whatever. So it depends right. on what you're dressing for. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to consider is, like, is image a big part of what you... Like, do you want that to be a big part of who you are? Um, like, some people who are in the limelight um, who are, let's say, more famous for the way they look. Uh, like a lot of musicians, um, even like aside from the select few, most musicians that we know that are like famous, famous, have an image. And even if it's just naturally them or if it was created for it, whatever. Um, 
Like you see, you might just see an article of clothing and you instantly associate that with a specific artist, you know? Um, but me as, uh, as a man in America, as a, an American man, you know, uh, like the way I was raised was, you know, the way you dress does make that first impression, which technically it does, you know, for the most part. And you need to be very mindful of that. That's what I was always taught. I have learned, and, and this is my own opinion, of course, but I learned that it is important to present yourself in a certain way. Yes, absolutely. Um, but that certain way not being in a way that you need to live up to somebody else's expectations. Um, granted, I'm not saying if you have a job interview to go in there in some jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, there's a, there's a time and a place for different things, right? Mm -hmm. But for the most part, aside from things that actually require it, why not wear what you wish to? Um, me being masculine man, you know, just heterosexual man too, I, I dress just how I, how I wish to and not because somebody else is telling me. It used to be that because, not necessarily because somebody else told me, but because of the way I was conditioned, I was like, we're all, not all conditioning is bad, but excuse me, we've all been, we've all been conditioned to dress a certain way as men and then women dress a certain way too. Um, but now in my, uh, I guess, later adulthood, uh, my adult year adulthood, <laughs> um, I do not care if that makes sense. Because it used to be something I hid behind. It did. And I had to really let that go 100% in order to really come into myself and find out if who I thought I was was actually who I am or who I've been told that I am, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? I kind of ramble sometimes. That I do makes that. perfect sense. That's why you're here, so you can <laughs> ramble. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. So what do you think is one thing... For men, that we could do less of, um, as far as dress goes, uh, a style, things of that nature, and one thing we could do more of. And I know it's all subjective; depends on the age and you know your job and all of that. But yeah, if yeah. you could just pinpoint one thing we could do less of, mm -hmm. uh, and one thing we could do more of, I know for sure, uh, just like in the African American community, uh, the sagging of the pants mm -hmm. is something that, I mean, I know my generation did it. Like when we were teenagers, yeah, I did it too. We and, you know, yeah. and when I came home, um, my, the first time I did it, my dad saw me, and my dad was like, "What are you doing?" Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know. Everybody else is doing yeah. it. You know, it's cool, <laughs> you know. Uh, did you did you guys ever have Jenko jeans? Uh, we well, they probably did. I, we probably couldn't afford them. <laughs> people, people in my in my neighborhood, they had Jenko jeans. They were like these really big, like. Just baggy like skater jeans, uh, and yeah, everybody yeah. just like sag. We had a red monkey. I remember that. Red monkey. Okay. Uh, My dad told told me he said, "Look, I don't care what those boys are doing in your neighborhood. That's not how men dress." Mm -hmm. I'm like 16 years old. Yeah. Of course, the rebuttal is, "Well, I'm not a man. I'm a 16 year old <laughs> boy. You need to let me express myself." And but I, I'm grateful for my dad. You know, my dad was in the army. Yeah. Because. He told me that, you know, I actually don't care what you wear, but there's a proper wear, proper way to wear things. That is. He told me you put that. some pants on, put a belt on. Yeah. Pull it up to your hips. If it's a sweat sweatpants, do the drawstring. Yeah. Man, we at no he's he told me at no point should I see your underwear. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I think that's one thing that people could do less of. Yeah, yeah. I so I'm gonna piggyback on yours and then I'm gonna tell you mine, okay? Mm-hmm. I I, for myself, subjectively, I genuinely 100% agree. 
I don't want to sew my underwear anywhere. I just don't need to. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> right. And to those who wish to, I'm like, if that's really your style, if it's genuinely because you want to, not because you've been told that, then, I mean, go for it. I mean, it might not be my style, but, you know, if you like it, then go for it. <laughs> but um, let's see. So as far as, uh, as far as what I think we can do less of, um, to pinpoint it to one thing, is trying to mimic what we think success looks like. Mm. I think that's a good thing because wow. people, okay, for example, I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. I've done rap competitions and usually I'm the only one in the suit because that's like just how I dress, you know. Um, it used to be primarily an image thing, but no, it's, I mean, it was always part of me, but I also kept it going because of the image thing. Now it's just, it's just me. And, excuse me, in doing that, because of the way I dress, naturally people look at me like, oh yeah, so how long have you owned this place? And I'm like, fam, I'm your competition. Like, what you <laughs> I don't I don't run this place. I'm I'm about to run this competition. That's what I'm trying to do. Fam, I'm your competition. <laughs> <laughs> and I've won competitions and seen people like, you know, be very genuinely happy and and impressed and stuff and other people like storm out. I remember there was one that I had a competition about competition in Mesa, like four years ago. I don't know. It was called the carryout competition. It was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um it was, uh, yeah, shout out to DJ Mad Skills. Um, but yeah, it was a long time ago. And it was 20 rappers, including myself. Like, all of us is rapper, rapper, rappers, you know? And, you know, I'm not uh, stereotypical. I don't look like what a stereotypical rapper looks like if, mm -hmm. they, if they had to put an image on that. Um, and especially, even if you did consider me as one, a lot of people, sorry, a lot of people would not have pinned me to rap the way that I do. Um, but then when people were like, because it was a it was a competition, so people were like getting booed and applauded and all that stuff. And when I went up, it surprised people because of the way I rap, right? And still to this day, I remember some people literally storming out, and before any results were put on or whatever because of egos and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Excuse me, but it's just further proof that the way you dress, yeah, it has an impact. It does. But also, you should not put 100% of your of what you think somebody is into how they dress. I think there is beauty in becoming, making sure that you're approachable. You know, because as you know, even no matter how individual you want to be, um, on a mass level, on a macro level, like there's, you know, there's a certain amount of like approachability that you have when you dress a certain way. It just is. Um, whether we like it or not, it's just what it is. Um, so... I think that it's really important that people don't try to mimic what they think success looks like because a lot of the time, like for example, and nothing against anybody who dresses this way at all. This is just an example because people do it the same the way I dress. The people do the same thing. But like sometimes people will um, like, let's say, buy the newest stuff because they see it somewhere or the, and they might not be in a space where they actually can afford that kind of thing. But they like they're I think a lot of people will set their goals to be able to afford the thing that looks like success. And in reality, why not set your goal for the success that allows you to um, to actually you know, enjoy the fruits of your labor, if that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, I think that term is called hype beast. There you go, yeah, hype beast. beast. Yep. It's, per mm -hmm. it's a person that they're up on all the trends, just yeah. whatever comes out right away, they gotta get it. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you have, we, we have to get our priorities right. I say we because I'm a part of this community, you know, and I'd like to take ownership of anything too, myself. 
um, we really do have to get like that kind of shit together. We just have to because otherwise we're going to stay in this loop of trying to chase the next thing as opposed to uh, really chasing the success so that way we can have what we want and and live the way we wish to in the most comfortable way anyway. But it's a lot of that's uh, subconsciously been drilled into our minds over years, and I'm not going to get into that right now. <laughs> when you say we, you just said we. Are you mentioning... I just want to understand the context of we. Are you saying the black American culture? Are you saying men, people in Phoenix? Who Who is we when you say <laughs> Honestly, we? Honestly, um, when I say we, um, I'll speak to... It could be on any level, really. It could be us as society, period. Okay. Um, more specifically, it can be us as um, black people, you know, okay. especially us because of... Well, and I say especially, but more particularly us in, in that regard because of... I guess our cultural background or lack thereof because of what was taken from us, right? Um, and then I can also be talking we as in black men, right? Or those who identify as masculine, whatever. And regardless, like a lot of us in society period, like those of us, let's say just the working class, um, a lot of us oftentimes are blinded by what we think success really looks like. We just are. Like you see somebody with, let's say a Gucci belt or like, Maybe I see somebody with a nice-ass suit on, you know, because it's, it's not just to a particular style of clothing. Um, if I see somebody with a nice-ass suit on, at some point in time, I'm like, oh, I want that, right? And that's nothing wrong with having that desire. But I should not be setting my goal to just to get that thing that I saw that I like, you know? Um, that can be a goal. There's nothing wrong with that. But I really think that we need to prioritize actually, um, let's say, putting more effort and more time into things that really can help us achieve the things that we want to have, you know? There's a theme here in, a, in our conversation thus far. There's, mm. um, there's an inner, inner world and there's an outer world. Mm. The way you dress is, a, uh, is a, you know, the outer world. But the way you dress can be a part of your inner world mm. as it can be a reflection of. Yes. So I feel like you know, use the word self-transformation. You know, yeah. you talked about your hair, your mustache, yeah. talked about your dress. I feel like the way you, you make a self-transformation is that there will be external things that change. Yes. Uh, or that represent you. <clears throat> but all change is truly going to be an interior change, an inner, fi- uh, inner feeling, a, an inner adjustment. Yeah. Uh, based on your beliefs or your mindsets or your ideas, because you you said um, what, what were your exact words? I think you said uh, we need to prioritize and we need to figure out what success is for us. Yeah. And so if I look at you and I say, okay, he's successful, I only see your exterior. Exactly. I only see you getting in the car, yeah. or I only see you getting the table at the club or bar I like to yeah. go to, right? Yep. And all of those things are exterior. But yeah. then what I'm doing is I'm internalizing and I'm saying, okay, he does this or he has this. So for me to do that, to feel the way he feels, and I'm I just, I'm projecting the way mm-hmm, he feels. Mm-hmm. He might be miserable, yeah. but because it looks like success, okay, I'm going to mimic that. Yeah. And it's not actually coming from, this is genuinely what I want to do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's okay. precisely. And I love, see, you are a wordsmith, I promise. And I've noticed this since I met you, but like you, you just, you prove it every time I speak to you. <laughs> so um, how do we get to that though? How do we, how do we understand that? Yes, there are external, let's just say benefits. There's external benefits uh, from getting our priorities straight and, you know, having quote unquote success. But like, what is, what is success? What is that? That is 
see people think that success looks a specific way for everybody or whatever like we see um you can see let's say somebody like um bill gates and you see somebody like beyonce and they have completely different stories and we see them as successful um not only because well primarily because we see what they have on like let's say beyonce on social media right she doesn't put all that stuff on but what you see is every beautiful thing about her and I noticed like there's more of a trend lately, I suppose, that when people are starting to show more of their raw side, which is beautiful to me. Um, but oftentimes, we all have to, I think in order for us to really get to that space of really understanding this and trying to shift that our mindset like that, we have to first get to the space of understanding that everybody has a chapter of their lives that they don't read out loud. And I think that's so important to really understand, like really ingrain that in our heads because... Like you said, if I see you on a yacht in a picture and you are happy, let's say there's girls around you or whatever too, and I'm and in my head I'm like that looks lit, like I'm talking right. on that level, you know. I'm talking like yeah, you right. know. Um, and then that stays in my head. Um, granted, some people can see that and desire that and want that specific thing, but still understand that there's a lot that comes to building success to even have that. But a lot of people will see that and just aim for that because they. Uh, Sorry, I keep saying they. We um, see that, and we want to aspire to have that. And that's, honestly, I think that, in my opinion, that's the grounds of what uh, a lot of media is based on, is telling us, hey, you want this because this person has this and this person is happy. So in order for you to achieve happiness, you need this. And that's, you know, branding. That's really how a lot of that works. Can I, can I teach you something? Uh, let's hear it. Let's hear it. I'm always open to learning something. You ever heard of third-party validation? Not by not by that name, no. Not at okay. All. Not at all. So you know that I'm an author, mm-hmm. and I could tell you a hundred times that you should read my books and mm-hmm. that everyone on this podcast should read my books because they're going to help. Yeah. They're going to help with this personal transformation we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. I could tell you a hundred times. On the hundred and one time, you're still not going to buy the book. Yeah, okay. But... Colin, the engineer who was just in here, who, mm-hmm. who bought my books under his own power and read them, if he comes in here and he, he, he plugs up his mic and he says, you need to read Sylvester's book, specifically mm-hmm. this book for your energy, mm-hmm. the sales are going to go through the roof. Third-party validation. Yes, I agree. So what marketers do is this is why the term influencers is so important or so popular because another person promoting someone else's product is more potent than that person promoting their their product. I agree. So you can tell me, turn it back to you, Uh you're the dopest rapper out. Yeah. Which you might be, but it doesn't matter. It does not. You can tell me 101 times. Mm -hmm. Colin comes in here and says, listen to this. This, man, this right here, I'm going to listen to it and say, Oh, yeah, I need that. Mm-hmm. There's actually a graph that, so I studied marketing before I got into, you know, what I'm doing because I wanted to know how to sell sell my stuff. <clears throat> well, success, I see. <laughs> I'm listening, I'm listening. There's a graph that, uh, I don't know what type of graph it is. I'm not sure how to, oh, it's a bell. It's a bell chart. Okay. Bell chart. You ever heard of that? No. Well, I've heard of it, but I don't so, know. So uh, maybe I could pull it up online real quick. Okay. But the shape of a bell, it's like it shows you kind of how, how things flow. Uh, Bell chart. Let me see if this is perfect. Yeah, those I've seen those. Yes. yes. Okay, so I'm just gonna click on the first one. Okay. So <clears throat> if you're watching this on YouTube or listening, uh, type in how to make a bell curve in Excel, and then you'll be able to see exactly 
what I'm referring to. So basically, in terms of sales, you do sales, right? Yeah, I've done sales, yeah. So in terms of sales, say this is where you start selling your product, and then this mark here is your effort. So this is how many customers you're going to get from your effort right yeah, there. Yeah, right there. That's it. This portion, which is 80% of your sales, is going to come from third-party validation. Yeah. Yep. This is so, – so these people right now, if I say, hey, I'm dropping the book tomorrow, buy it, they're going to buy it. They're going to click the link. They're going to buy it right away. From direct validation. Di direct validation from me. The other 80% of the sales are going to come from other people saying, you need to read this. Yeah. You need to listen to, yeah. to my podcast. You need to listen to my music. Yeah. That is how we are influenced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If, you, if, you, if you look it up, that's how we're influenced. That's right. And, it's, and I've never done, I haven't studied this stuff, but I mean, I'm just... I like to think of how things work anyway. And that's literally, from what I understand, why um, these influencers and celebrities get ad deals, get branding deals. Because if, like, for example, Nike, right? They can post a thing and it be, you know, creative and all that stuff. And we all like, you know, a lot of us are like, yeah, you know, and those who know Nike anyway, they're like, yeah, I'm going to get it. But when you see, like, some a celebrity that you like, like a sports person that you like. I, oh, I, I I'm so glad you, you know, said that. Yeah. I don't even like sports, you know, but as an example, um, like if you, especially ooh, especially the Colin Kaepernick thing with Nike, that was huge. And Serena Williams, that whole thing, both of them, and the, when that when those happened in the past year and a half, those were huge moves that they that they made because mm -hmm. it's showing people that are not Nike, um, who are being backed by Nike, of course, but are backing Nike themselves because their names speak for themselves, and that makes people like us, especially. Um, I think the whole Colin Kaepernick thing, for example. Um, without, I don't want to delve too deep into that because that's a whole feel, other tangent. Feel free to, man. <laughs> just, it's the Free Your Energy podcast, you, man. You're just, right, you're right. Free you're yourself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, just to tap on that, um, I think that regardless of how you feel about the fact that he did it or not, um, that was a very smart move on the, in regards to the company. It was. Um, whether they actually... Uh, Nike's regards? Yes, in, in Nike's well, regards. Give us the context of what... Okay. What you're referencing, because so, there's someone that may not understand. You're right. Or okay. know, so. so Colin Kaepernick had all this backlash from not standing during the national anthem what, in like like four or five years ago, I think. I don't know. And he's had like no, had no success in um, getting signed by any team, from what I understand. I don't follow sports. Yeah, I don't. So. You loosely follow it. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But um, and he's but he's been um a face regardless of how active you might think he is, which I've looked up. He actually is pretty really active. Um. Oh, is that more? Is that more, oh, tea? more tea? That's more tea. That's what I'm talking about. Special delivery. Thank you so much to my friends on the Free Your Energy podcast. Colin just brought us some more tea. Colin is the goat. Colin is the goat. Thank you, Colin. Hashtag Colin is the goat. He um, <laughs> actually had an episode with Colin. Don't forget where you are, by the way, in your story. I won't. I won't. I actually had an episode with Colin. He's a, he's the 24 year old engineer. We're going to. Uh, follow his journey. So make sure you you tap into that Thank episode, you. and we're we're breaking bread. We're breaking tea. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you you need? The cabal? What else do you need? Um, no, just the wait. No, no, no. There was um detox. Um, what was it? Uh, wait. Brain and memory. The brain and memory. Yes, that's brain the one that I want. Okay. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Need a lemon? I definitely do. Lemon, lemon is important and honey. What tea? Honey? Okay. Just a little bit of honey. I need a little honey too. You know, make it sweet. Uh, ginger peach. I'm gonna do this other tea, uh, chamomile, lemon. I'll stick with the ginger peach for now. I appreciate it. Okay. Yep. Yep. 
NFT is so important. It really is, man. It's um whether you have the actual leaves that you're creating your own herbs of from or using your own herbs or whatever, your own blend, or if you are just taking a tea bag from Celestial Seasons or whatever the <laughs> heck. <laughs> tea is so important. It is. So I don't want to be too loud on the microphone with this. <laughs> it's all good. They understand. We need our tea yeah. to continue this conversation. Okay. So um, you were talking about Colin. Yeah. So Colin Kaepernick, he um, he had his struggles ever since then with just trying to land a job. And I'm not going to get into all the details of because I don't I don't know enough on the semantics of it to speak objectively on them. Um, but I do. Were you looking for the spoon? You have the spoon. I no? don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Colin might have the spoon. <laughs> I'll text him and tell him to bring it in. All right, that's fine. I'll let mine seep. Or what is it seep? Steep? I forgot. Both. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he had struggles, and eventually, Nike put him as the face of what their brand would be would look like in regards to the quote-unquote movement that we that everybody talks about. The movement. The quote-unquote movement. You know, everybody says, oh, yeah, the movement, this and that, you know. The- I'm going to just say this. Black people are always <laughs> talking about a movement. They are. <laughs> we are. Sorry. We, got, we, we, are. Got, we got a movement. We got a movement. Yeah. What, what, what exactly are we moving? Right. <laughs> that, that's the question. What are we moving? And let's not get started on how many different people see the movement differently. Like the spoons over your left shoulder, sir. Colin. Oh, <laughs> Thank you, Colin. What, what movement are we starting any, like, I'm not about to. I'm not about to dive into that right now because I got to dive into this first thing. <laughs> <laughs> dive in, then, son. Okay, look. So they used his face, and it was mutually beneficial for the company and for him, in my opinion, because it got him more publicity of what he was doing, but also to show that he's being backed a little bit. And that's that's, a, that's subjective. That's a subjective opinion. Um, but um, you know, I don't need the honey. Actually, I'm gonna be good without the honey. You're good. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you the, the spoon right now. Okay. Um, but yeah, so. In regards to that, uh, it was a smart move for him because it also, uh, I guess, gave him an income that he might have been missing. You know, I don't know what his income was from that ad, but it was a huge, so I assume that he negotiated a decent one. I'm assuming, I don't know. Um, and for the company, because now more people that understand how branding works, at least, some people are skeptical and feel like it's really sketchy. They just do, and that's okay. Um, but that's going to get the, um, more people who are who were maybe against Nike because of who they were behind in regards to the NFL and stuff like that or whatever, um, I think that will get that kind of thing would sway more people who were on Colin Kaepernick's side to rock more Nike, right? And you, I'm, I'm sure you saw this where there were so many people who were against Colin Kaepernick started burning this the Nike stuff. Yeah, that's, people are people are outraged by many things in this generation. I'm starting to see. You just throw right here. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to see, honestly, the way I use social media, because I'm a creator, I try to create, 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 and consume very little, honestly. Yeah. I mm-hmm. feel like that's the healthiest way for me. Yeah. I know there's other people who can who can be on there for two or three hours just consuming. It's not yeah. healthy for me. Uh, so I create the content that I want to see. Yeah. I create the content that's going to help me stay on my purpose, mm-hmm. heal, have fun, uh, and people burning. I, I could not imagine being so upset at something that not only would I burn a product, but I would then videotape myself and and then write a caption about how pissed off I am and then post it. I just, I just couldn't, I'm just, I don't, I don't know. I don't care that much. I think people really need to understand that 
any anger that you hold, no matter how valid it might be or invalid, whatever, any anger that you hold is not changing the lives of those you hold it against. Mm. It's only changing yours. You got some vodka in there. <laughs> You're getting deep on us. <laughs> oh, goodness. No, it's, it's, it's I, I learned that too. Um, I don't get angry very easily at all. I just don't. Like, and it's, I still, I'll feel anger too. I'm a really, I'm really big on feeling. Did things. you have a mean streak when you were younger where you were really angry? Um, I think. Because a I lot was, of times that's what it is. Yeah. Is people have, they've subdued themselves as adults. Yeah. But in their, in their youth, they were, they were reckless and, and yeah psychologically that's that's usually what happens but for right. me I, I never really had i was like when i was growing up i was always the like mild hip tempered okay um like to the point where like i almost would like wouldn't speak up when i should mm, okay. you know i was i had like kind of a fear of um of, i guess of speaking up i used to be shy to be and talk in front of people ironically <laughs> um but you consider yourself um Introvert, extrovert, in the middle? Honestly, I've always been more introverted. On it's, a scale of one to ten, one is introvert, ten is extrovert, five uh, is ambivert. Naturally is, so, mm-hmm. more like a three, three naturally. Okay. But the thing is, okay, here's what it is. This is it's a funny story. Because um, I think I feel like we got the point across about the Colin Kaepernick thing, so that's fine. Um, funny story, I have always just kind of like, I like to be to myself. I just do. And I love people. I love people. And I always desire to, um, you know, connect with people, which is great. But, like, I also strongly desire to be to myself because I learned um, in order to, like, in order to become okay alone, you have to get through not being okay alone. And I went through that. Um, I learned that the hard way, as a lot of people have, I'm sure. But anyway, so I've always been, like, you know, kind of, Excuse me, sorry, a T, you know. <laughs> but I've always been kind of, um, you know, to myself, introverted, even when I started doing artistry stuff. Um, and when I would start being on stage, I would obviously connect to the extrovert, extroverts because they're able to come out and they'll come to they're me. They're the ones. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But I would I would connect with the introverts because, you know, same. Like, we, we are, you know, we're the same way, so I can speak to a lot of people who don't like to talk to people so much. And I can also pick up on certain cues that many, not all, but many extroverted people don't really receive, you know. Um, like, cues like to know that somebody is really uncomfortable in a situation that they might not be verbalizing or even showing. Um so, but eventually, when I got that good enough to speak with them, and when I was performing more, and then I would be able to speak with both introverts, extroverts, and everywhere in between, everyone in the spectrum, then people would start labeling me as like a social butterfly, and I'm like, yes, I can talk to people, and I do love talking to people, but like I really like being to myself, you know, um, and it's it's just kind of funny. So I think I've shifted more. Um, I can't say away from being introverted. Um, but in general, I'm more, uh, I gained more confidence in speaking because I still feel that like my heart still does that sk- the beat thing, you know, heart, when it's like skips beats and all that stuff, I've just gained the confidence to like, just because you're scared to do something doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Do it scared and that's, you'll be fine. You know, in my opinion, of course, but yeah, that's the story on that. <laughs> that's the tweet. Where can people hear your music? So we have, um, my solo music, I don't have a lot out right now because I took all the old stuff down because I'm working on new stuff now. Um, oh, wait, no, I have some covers out now. Um, if you just literally search for Ashton Vaughn Charles, um, that's Ashton, A-S-H-T-O-N, like Ashton Kutcher. Then, Spell it slow. <laughs> yep. A-S-H-T-O-N. Mm-hmm. Vaughn is V-A-U-G-H-N. That's V-A-U-G-H-N. Don't spell it V-O-N, you will not find me. <laughs> Charles, C-H-A-R-L-E-S. 
you search that on YouTube, honestly, right now you'll find me. Like okay. anywhere in the social media, you'll find me. Um, my band, The Color Eight. Um, we're literally um, at The Color Eight Band with a number eight um, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all that stuff. Um, if you just want to listen to the music, we have a newest song that came out in October called Summer in October. And if you want to search just on the streaming sites, you'll find it if you search for The Color Eight. I'm going to add that to the show notes. So anybody listening to the show notes, uh, if you're look, looking for a link, I'm going to cue it up right now. That song was called Summer in October? Yes, it is. I can send you the link when we, uh, when we finish here, too, if you okay. wish to. Yeah, that would be great. I actually haven't heard the song, so I need to tune in myself. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's um, it's interesting because you know we do. Um, I don't know if you've heard us live lately, but like we do so many genres. Uh, summer in October is more of a, a really chill, like mellow, mellow vibe, and it picks up a little bit, but it's all instrumental, mm. and it's um, it's honestly a very beautiful song because it feels good, you know. Um, but then we also will turn around and do like some like uh, metal, hip hop, uh, fusion kind of stuff, and. Given that I'm now the lead vocalist there, um, not I don't sing, but like I'm the front man for the band most of the time when we're not switching around. It's been an interesting transformation and transition, you know? But we have a lot of fun, especially live. We have a lot to unpack here. So <laughs> I just wanna I wanna pick pick the bones at some of the stuff you said. All right. Let's go for it. When did you begin your career as a musician? When did you start the training for it, the interest for it? How did that start? Do you mean like when I started playing or when I started taking it seriously? When you started playing, mm-hmm. and then what led you to, okay, I, I could do this? Okay, I started playing um, in, I was 10. Yeah, I had just turned 10, sixth grade. Um, I missed the first day of school, asthma, you know, and... I got there the second day, they threw me in an elective that I didn't get to choose, and it was banned, and they handed me a clarinet. They said, here. And I'm like, uh, okay, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I picked that up, and then we moved, and then when we moved um, in the middle of that semester, like I was to learn how to put the motherfucker together, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we shift, like when we got to the new school, people were playing notes and stuff, so I had to teach myself how to do the rest of it. Um, End of that semester, I was like uh, one of the top of the class, and they switched me to like an intermediate, whatever. It's, it's in middle school, so you know, but it's, I felt good about it. I still remember how I felt when they called me to the side. I thought I was in trouble. I was a good two shoes, you know, so I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? I didn't know what I did. I don't know, you know, whatever. So, <laughs> um, but then they told me that I was moving up to the next level, and then the next year I was up in the, um, they called it varsity band. They tried to compare it to sports, mm-hmm. but it was really just like a symphonic band or whatever, like a concert band. Um, so that's when I started there. Uh, with rapping, um, I remember it was like the year after I graduated high school. I was like 16 or 17. And my friend, his dad had some just recording studio equipment just because like he's, he was still doing his music stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And they invited me over one day and they were like, yeah, I have a microphone. It was a rock band microphone. And as a pop filter, for those who don't know what a pop filter is, it's the part that you put in front of the microphone to stop the spit from the and the all that stuff from coming through and the audio. Too, too strongly anyway. So as a pop filter, because we only knew what it looked like, we didn't know what its purpose really was, we had a pasta strainer, and we <laughs> hung that from the ceiling. Wow. I promise. It was uh, my friend Richard, Richard Crawford. He's an amazing cinematographer. Um, he does music too, but that's his, been his primary focus. Mm-hmm. And my other friend, David Debro, he just goes by Debro. He's also a dope musician as well. He doesn't do it primarily anymore, but he 
very much so was a dope rapper. Like he was one of the rappers that I started rapping with. Um, anyway, so back then it was like two, circa 2008, like 11 years ago, and we were just you know he said we have microphone and whatever and we play the music in the speakers and we'd rap on the microphone and record it that way. We didn't know you were supposed to use headphones. We didn't know. <laughs> and we would instantly bounce that out and go to the car because I was the only one who drove. Mm -hmm. And we listened to that and we'd like, oh, shoot, nigga, that's me on the radio right now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, mm -hmm. we were just having fun with it. Mm -hmm. And I started learning, because like, we did that just a few times, you know. And I learned that um, I could be uh, a bit articulate and meticulous when it came to rapping. Um, but I didn't really. One day I tried it. I think I wrote a verse for some random song. I don't know. Um, and it sounded pretty good, in my opinion. I'm like, this, this kind of dope. Because I was like rappers, like I like technical rappers who would also have depth to their lyrics. Like I liked Eminem. A lot of rappers, especially the um, the ones who claim that he's like a culture vulture or whatever. Like that, whatever. I, regardless, I like Eminem. I, I like love Eminem. Eminem. He is. He is, regardless, he is talented. Absolutely. I don't care what you say. That man he can respects rap. the craft. He does. I love Eminem. And yeah. he, honestly, a lot of it is, like, a lot of the style of rap that a lot of these good rappers do now, I say subjectively good or whatever, but the more uh, technical ones do now were, like, rooted in where he came from, you know? Mm -hmm. And side note, I like sober Eminem the most. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are like, no, I want that, you know, I want the shady that's on drugs and stuff because he was, you know, whatever, but no. Sober Eminem, his lyrics, like, will surpass a lot of the way you think, I promise you. Um, but anyway, go ahead. What are you going to say? Eminem, uh, relapse um, after that? Is recovery. When he... Recovery. And later. is okay. the, Like, I've always liked Eminem just because he was different, right? Mm -hmm. And I liked, like, his stuff was, he didn't used to have a lot of depth through to his raps, but he was always fun. Always. And also very articulate in his, like, he was clever, super clever. Um, and some songs would have depth, too, and they would have meaning, real meaning, but, like, not as much depth as when he got sober, you know? Um, but anyway, that's when I started for both of them. I didn't take any of them seriously till like, 2015, um, so about four years ago. Yeah, 2015. Like, the end of 2014, I did my first, because I had quit music for, like, three years before that. Because I was in college and I was outplayed by like everybody there, and I was like, maybe this isn't for me. I'm going to corporate America, and work at this bank. I'm not going to say the name, obviously, but you know, corporate America, build a career, try to work my way up, and everything, and be stable. I felt empty, and one day they were having my my job was having a competition, like not a competition, but like a like a talent show thing, and I didn't have a saxophone. <coughs> Excuse me, I didn't have a saxophone, but one of my coworkers did, and she said, you could use mine. And I was like, okay, sure. And I took it home and I started playing on it and I recorded something simple because I still had my old recording equipment. And I remember how good that felt just to record that. I didn't make it in time at that talent show, but I, st I stuck with it ever since then. And in 2014, the end of that, I did my first little open mic thing because I had never improvised on stage before because I was always classically trained to read, but never to really understand the concepts of improvisation. Concepts of improvisation. Um, so at that so I remember I was so nervous getting on that stage, man. It was a small stage. It was at, um, uh, it was at this small venue in downtown Phoenix. Um, super small, but to me, I was like. <laughs> 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 and it was after I played the first couple notes. Um, by the way, shout out to my friend Jakari. She's the one who encouraged me to go because I almost did not. And that was a pivotal moment. Um, so... I remember after I played the first couple of notes, I was shaking still. My eyes were closed, but I was shaking. And then I could kind of just feel the music coming. And there were musicians behind me because it was an open mic. And they were feeling it too. And I'm like, okay, 
okay, in my head, I'm like, okay. And I just kept playing a little bit more, and I started to kind of swell into it, and I was trying to play it exactly how I practiced it, but that was not happening. But I felt more comfortable in things not going as they should. And it was a very beautiful experience for me. I, if I go back and listen to it now, I probably would hate it. But <laughs> but that moment shifted that for me. And I was like, you know what, I'm going I'm to I'm stick with this. I think I bought a saxophone that next month. Um, I still have that same saxophone. It's technically a student horn, but, you know, it's, it's, the, it's my baby, you know. Um, and that next year, no, it was in that same year I had tried out for the Arizona Hip Hop Festival. Um, I'd love to expound on the uh, Respect the Underground thing, too, because they have a lot of controversy, but I still have a lot of love for them. Uh, we'll get to that. But, yeah, so that, um, I did not make it. I tried out for it because I had a great track, a couple of them, um, just rapping. And they sounded great, but like when I tried out for them, I didn't make it. My performance wasn't up. It just wasn't. The song, was was it you rapping? Was it you on the saxophone? What was the song? Um, the song at the open mic was me on saxophone. The song that I tried out for the hip-hop festival was me rapping. So um, I didn't make it to that. But And I also had that open mic that I felt good about, but that was about it. I started working on my craft a little bit more uh, throughout the next year, the next through that springtime, and then summertime. I think the there were tryouts for the hip hop festival again, and this is the same summer that I met you. Okay. Um, I think it was even that same month actually, because that show that I met you at was my first time showing anybody that I can do saxophone and rapping ever. Wow. Okay. That's the show that I met you at. Um, shout out to Cosmic Cadence. He's the yeah. one who put that on, and he's, yeah. he's still a good friend of mine. Um, so at that show, my, my first time getting back on the microphone and actually rapping, trying it out, ever since I lost that other thing. Um, and the feedback, because I've been working on it, the feedback was so beautiful. And I was like, it was on my birthday. It was on my birthday. And I remember thinking, like, maybe I really can do this. You know, like, because I've had, you know, I've, I had back and forth, obviously. But, um, you know, I stopped standing in my own way. And I tried out for that... Uh, I hate to keep um, deterring, or not necessarily deterring, but going on slight tangents or secants, I'll call them, whatever. For your energy. Yeah, you're right, you're right. And I, it's a, I'm, as long as I'm respecting your space, I will take up my space. For your energy. Absolutely. Okay. So um, I think that same month after my birthday, after the show that I met you at, excuse me, um, they had the competition. It was like 40 rappers. Uh, just to see who can get into this into the hip hop festival, I was not gonna go. I didn't have a car. I was using my mom's car here and there once you would let me, and I was really low on money too. Cause like work, I was I lived by myself for years, and I actually preferred I mean, um, to a fault almost. But anyway, um, so I did not have. I wasn't gonna go to it. My friend uh, Richard Crawford, the cinematographer that I told you about, he also his artist name is Physic, by the way. Um, he told me he's like hey are you coming to this thing i'm like no i ain't coming i have the car or whatever no money whatever he's like dude just get here i'll pay the five dollars get you in it was five dollars i didn't have five dollars <laughs> but he's like i'll pay the five dollars get you in just get here i'm like i don't know man i don't know you know because it was um i think i had a little bit of pride with that too not necessarily saying that I, he shouldn't let me pay for it but like i've always had this struggle with allowing people to do things for me that i felt was taking away from them um that's something i had to grow through um, but anyway, so I called my mom. I'm like, hey, uh, I told her what's going on, and it was a rap competition. She's always supported me rapping, too, as long as I had a plan, you know, backup and everything. Excuse me. And she was like, yeah, you can use the car. I'm like, 
really? I'm like, she's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, all right, you know, forget it, whatever. I'm, I'll go, I'll go, I'll just go, whatever, just to make him happy, you know. Um, so I pulled up in my mom's car. It was a not a Murano. It was a Rogue, a Nissan Rogue or something. That's know? actually a good car. It Nissan is. Rogue is yeah, good. It is. It is. Um, People don't know, but I can barely fit in it. <laughs> oh, okay, how tall are you? I'm six five. Okay, yeah. So you can't even fit in there. <laughs> for for us six three and under folks, that's a great vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It's very reliable. I think they still have it. It's like my sister's car now or something. Whatever. But um, I pulled up in that little Nissan Rogue, um, and I got out the car. Um, just just me in suit as usual. Um, I met up with. Uh, physic Richard Crawford and I met up with the bro he was there and uh, some of their family was there too and this was the respect the underground event by the way there were literally like 40 acts it was such a long so I remember thinking like I'm just gonna go I'm gonna leave you know and then I was wait so Richard had his set and he killed it you know but I was his hype man me and our friend David Debro was his, were his hype man and I didn't really know his song so I was kind of standing on stage like bouncing smiling and like just <laughs> right, saying right. hype stuff here and there but I didn't really know how to hype yet you know I knew how to rap articulately but I didn't know how to hype yet <laughs> um, and then when his set went on like maybe half the crowd was already gone or whatever but it was still a decent crowd by the time I went on which is like way after that a, a lot of the crowd was gone excuse me um, but I just went in anyway I literally I was so close to leaving Mm-hmm. And I decided to stay. I'm like, all right, forget it. I know it's late. I know I'm tired, but I'm here. I came this far. Let me just do it. I didn't even know it was gonna come of it. Right. So I just went up there. I did like two songs, um, and then I got off stage, and then we left. The next morning, they announced that myself and Richard tied for first place, which is crazy. And at the time, you know, like and to this day, I still see a lot of beauty in the hip hop festival. But at the time, it was new. And it was the biggest thing that everybody was talking about, you know, regardless of what you felt about RTU. The hip-hop festival was it. And if you got into that, you know, you was you were in. For the people who don't live in Arizona, give them some context to what RTU, the okay. hip-hop festival, what, what it is so they understand. The Arizona Hip-Hop Festival is, I think it's the only festival in the nation, if not the world, that is 100% local hip-hop artists, um, at least from within that city. The, um, this past year, we had a headliner, Futuristic, who's also a friend of mine. And he's probably been like the biggest, if not one of the biggest names of hip hop out, well, the names of hip hop artists out of Arizona in this past decade. You know, he's been one of the biggest ones, especially in the social media generation. Um, so, Respect the Underground is the name of the company. RT. Uh, yeah, the, okay. the, 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 the company that runs and puts that all those shows on. They're the ones who do the hip hop festival. Got it. So. Um, yeah, they're, uh, shout out to Justice and Respect the Underground. They are very good friends of mine. You know, I, I love them. Like, I really have like a lot of love for them. Because if not for them, I would not be where I am now. I would not. Um, excuse me. So the next day I learned that we tied for first place. And in my head, I'm like, what? You know, I, like, six months ago, I couldn't get in. I couldn't get a, I had to buy a ticket to get in this motherfucker. You know? Right. So. <laughs> right. But, yeah, we tied for first place, which is crazy. Like, us two, out of, like, 40 acts. It was such a long show. It was, in, in my opinion, you know, whatever. But, um, so, I was hyped about that. He was hyped about it. You know, we had, like, maybe 10, like, little 15-minute sets, one each, you know. But it was, we were super hyped about that. Um, so, yeah, that is the year that I started getting serious. Like, that same month that I met you was when I started getting really serious about it. And I think I met my band six months later. It's so important <clears throat> that we honor our own journeys because the entire story that you just gave me, you painted your whole 
your whole picture. When I meet you, the way I see you is you're just a super talented artist, confident, multiple skill sets, charisma, you know how to control the crowd. Uh, I've seen you a few times at the, in Arizona, there's a First Friday Festival, every yeah, Friday. It's an art festival downtown. Art yeah. festival, I've seen your band out there. Every time I walk by, you're jumping, playing <laughs> music, just live. And so I come into your life and that's the only frame I have of you. I was just talking to somebody about that. You I know, just, yes. that's the only frame I have of you, but because you have this whole story of your life, there's so many other things that play into it. So your frame of you is completely different. Very so much, what it yeah. took for you to get to that point is completely different. It really makes me think about earlier when you were talking about the glasses. Yeah. I was Like how you about. see, you know, glasses helps us see a certain picture. Yeah. Like, well, if you if if I take off the glasses and I just look at you, you're a great artist. You're confident. You're doing well. Thank you. But obviously, you sitting with you is is much more, way yes. much more to yeah. it than that. Yeah. And uh, that I mean, that's I just want everyone listening to respect your own journey. That's just respect it. So important. Yeah. Just respect it, man. I was just having a conversation on Twitter with. Uh, a man by the name of Jalopy Bungus. He's um. He's that is a great name. Yeah. Also, I gotta find, I gotta I'll add you on Twitter. Oh, please do, cause I yeah. I mean I be saying some wild shit on there too. But Twitter like, is wild. I will either <laughs> shit post. I will woke post. I will everywhere in between post. <laughs> is it the same uh, username and everything? Um, actually, if you search for a dapper rapper A V C, dapper rapper, one word. Got you. Got you right here. Yeah, that's me. Gotcha. So be like a weird picture of me doing like. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I got you. What's up with this profile photo? <laughs> I don't. I've just like I told you, I, I stopped caring about a lot of things that I used to hold. Just too expressing much. yourself. Yeah, exactly. I, I used to put it. too much value into things that did not matter. Hey. I think it took uh, loss, real loss, for me to really understand those things. You know. Okay. Loss, like what? You want to speak on it? Uh, yeah, I will definitely delve into that after this. <laughs> after these messages. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor. <laughs> No sponsors on this show, actually. Beautiful. Well, obviously, that's good. That's pretty yeah, dope. No sponsors. I just... Nah. Not organic. Yeah. Sorry. Maybe down the road, if someone yeah. comes with the right offer. Yeah, but you're not out here seeking that shit. You know? Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. I like this platform because I can just create. Exactly. It's organic. I just... I don't want it to be tainted by all that. Like, right. I, like now, I'm a business person now. Yeah. Someone yeah, yeah, comes yeah. with an offer... And they're like, that you just change this thing? You're like, all right, I'll die. I can change that. Okay. You know? okay, I can just, I can I can add that in there, you know. Yeah. Um, Talk to me. It's good. Okay, just making sure that the sound's good. Okay, yep, all right. we're good. But yeah, so um, let me see. I don't remember where I was at. What was I saying? You were going to dive into loss, but after this. After this. I was trying to finish my thought on what we were talking about. Uh, you were talking to your friend the other day about... Uh, yes. Respecting your journey. Yes. Okay. Jalopy Bungus. He's an amazing rapper. He just put out a song like recently. If you search for uh, Jalopy Bungus, he, you'll see him. But anyway, so he's out here. He's from Arizona, and I really think he's about to pop pop. You know, I do think so. Like genuinely. Um, so I was on Twitter today, and he posted something about um, making sure that you're like not taking everything too seriously to the point where like you're still having fun. And but aside from that, I, we were talking about not standing in your own way. Because every time that I stop myself from standing in my own way, something beautiful happened. Every time. Um, excuse me. I need to drink this tea slower. <laughs> um, got you some water, too, okay, if you, you need that. I need some water it. myself. Yeah, let me, let me take a sip real quick. <laughs> I've been drinking this lately. It's, um, 
Oh, Perrier. Yeah. Uh, mineral water. Yeah. I, yeah. I literally just found <clears throat> out about this like a week and a half ago. Yeah, they um they put that on like <laughs> on like your bed in like a cruise ship. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> guess where I was at when I found out? Where? Guess. You got to guess the city. Uh, is it out here? It's it's not Arizona, okay. but it's in America. Uh, what city do you think would be drinking carbonated mineral water? Maine. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in Maine. I don't know what city. I was in I was in L.A. Really? Yeah, and I, I was out there. I was visiting my friend, and her brother was just like carrying around this green bottle. And uh, uh, kind of yeah. like what you were talking about earlier, yeah. I was like, that looks cool. Like, <laughs> like, what is that? Exactly. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's mineral water. And the way he just said uh-huh. it, he's like, oh, it's just mineral water. Yeah. He just said it so casually. That's what makes you like, I must know more. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> mineral water? I was like, I don't know what that is. Right. So, designing out of here. <laughs> I go to AJ's the other day, and uh, they had it on sale. It was like uh, four for five. Uh, now, that's a big commitment, yeah. you know, four bottles. So I just said, you know what? I'm just gonna buy one. See, yeah, see yeah, what, yeah, see what yeah, the hype is all about. Yeah, you know, yeah. man, I drank it. Put a little lemon in it. I'm like, uh-huh. this yeah. is cool. Hmm. So then I researched. I said, let me do some research on like Important. if there's like a reason to drink this. Yeah. What I actually found out was uh, that mineral water, and you guys can look this up for yourself because I went on YouTube and typed it in. Yeah. I said, uh, is is um, mineral water, carbonated mineral water, good for you? And there's this doctor who came up, and he had like the little <clears> whiteboard. <throat> Bro, he broke it down. If you do fasting, which I do, so like in the morning, yeah. I don't eat breakfast right away. I get up, I work out, yeah. um, then I start work. I usually eat around 12. Yeah. He says, if you drink this stuff while you're fasting, it's going to work well with your fasting. Hmm. I didn't know that. So then I had like a scientific reason to drink it. Yeah, so now so I was like, like, oh, okay. Right, okay. I'm okay. like, okay, yeah. I'll drink it. So uh-huh. I've been drinking this for like, Ten days now, yeah. so yeah, I'm I'm cool now. I'm yeah, success. Yeah. You you got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm success now. Branding, mm-hmm. third party validation. Third party validation. That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> I never even seen this in my life. Yeah. Until he was like, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, it's just just mineral water. It's pretty common to see, but like a lot of things in the grocery store, you like are, have always been there, but you never see them. You never see them. You just don't, you know. But um. Yeah, so every time we go to Tanzan, I kind of forget what I was talking about. You were talking about your friend, uh, the rapper, put yes. out a song. Jalopy Bunkus. Yep. Um, so we were talking about standing in our own way, yep. you know, and I learned very quickly, and well, actually over the course of a long time, but each time was instant, um, that if the, every time that I stood in my own way, or I stopped, I stopped myself from standing in my own way, and I moved out of my own way, something beautiful happened. Good example. Um, 2017, my band, we were already doing things. We were still new, but like we were doing, we've been together for like a year now at this point. Um, excuse me. We were so busy that year. We were doing like two shows a week at least, you know? Yeah, just random things. Like some of them would be, excuse me, like the biggest show that we did was like Devil Palooza, which is like 10,000 people. Wow. Yeah, what's great? It was crazy. We opened up for Ray Shimmer at, at ASU. Wow. Um, and it was a very beautiful show. Like it was the first time that we, I think that proved to us, okay, this is attainable. It's definitely attainable because we can do that. We can control that crowd that early on. We can, we'll do anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of the smaller shows that we did were like house shows with like five people in it, you know. And but we were doing everything. Mm-hmm. And one of the more one of uh, one of our favorite shows was the Full Moon Festival. Excuse me. But we were just doing so many shows, and like I remember there was one show where because um, we're only down to four members now. Um, the other members, they're still like we still love them and everything too. But like we've all grown in different ways. But us four, we're the core. Okay. Who are the four members? Uh, there's, and what Cal- are the roles? Yeah, okay. There's Cal. He he goes by Cal the Thought Slayer, 
and he is the guitarist. Okay. He also can produce on his own too, and he just got into like some DJ scratching stuff too. He just got into that, but um, yeah, he's um, he can play a few different instruments, but primarily he's a guitarist. Um, but he is a musician. He used to go by Cal the guitarist, but he didn't want to be defined by that anymore because that's just one thing. So, and he's also kind of crazy, kind of wild. So, uh, he's definitely the wild card of the band. So Cal the Thought Slayer, he plays guitar in the band. Um, Emmett Nash, uh, E Nash is what he goes by as his artist name. He's the drummer. He can also sing very well, um, better than he likes to admit. He knows he can sing, but like he, I don't think he really understands like the power his voice has. He needs to get out of his own way. He does, yeah, he definitely does, and he knows that too. But he's been doing a lot better with that lately. Whenever we do get him, like whenever he chooses to sing, he'll get up there and he's like expanding his range and stuff too. So it's very beautiful. Um, and then there's Jeremy, uh, Germ, we call him Germ, uh, with the J. And he plays bass. He also plays several instruments as well, but primarily, like, actually, I think he used to play trombone at some point, but, like, yeah, I don't know. Um, but he plays bass. And I play saxophone, and I do vocals, obviously, like a rap and some, sometimes, like, some screamy stuff, whatever, depending on what genre we're in, you know. <laughs> screamy stuff. Yeah, some screamy stuff <laughs> is what I call it, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's us four. Um, Shout out to our old members too. Uh, there was Clef Pro. He was the he used to be the primary rapper before he left, and there was also Lee Water. He's a singer, and before he left too. And like I said, we still have love for them, both of them. Mm -hmm. um, and honorable mention to Josette. She used to be a singer like for like the first six months that we were together, um, and then she went in a different direction too. Um, but it, it's us four now, and we've ever since we like that happened. But we um, like it was unfortunate that that happened that they split, but. The moment that we decided, you know what, forget it. We're still pushing. We are still going. We have enough to make this happen. We'll be fine. And we kind of shifted roles and everything. I had a lot to step up into because I was, I used to just rap here and there, you know, just to kind of fill in. And now I'm like the primary vocalist. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, but I was like, let me not say it in my own way, whatever. And, excuse me, that happened in 2018. But that was another side note tangent, whatever. In 2017, we were doing a show every, like two shows every week, dang near, you know, average. Some days we do like literally like four or five. Uh, some weeks we do maybe one, you know. Um, we had a full moon festival, like our third one ever, I think, or fourth, one of the two. And it was the first show that both Lee Water and Clef Pro were unable to make it to, unfortunately. Um, and I remember us thinking like, okay, I don't know what we're gonna do. And they were thinking to me like, they're like, what, what are we gonna do? I don't know, whatever. And I remember thinking to myself for a split second, I'm like, maybe we should just, just shouldn't do this one because we don't have a vocalist. And then after that, I, I overcame that. I was like, no, we should not stop that. And then ironically, because we all tend to be in the same wavelength often, <laughs> we just do. Um, one of them vocalized it, verbalized that. They said, we just gotta do the show. We're just gonna do it anyway. We're just gonna go for it. Like, let's just go for it. Let's do it. Let's make it happen and do our best that we can. And if it's great, amazing. And if it's not, we'll learn from it, whatever. And so we all agreed. We went up there and did it. I was the first, it was the first show that I was ever, like, I've ever done with them where I was the lead vocalist because I didn't even know what I was gonna rap. I had no idea. You know, I didn't, you know. Um, but we did that. Um, we also had Nolan join us. Shout, shout out to Nolan. He's an amazing uh, keyboard piano player, a pianist. And um, after the show, I remember, um, right after we finished, we got off stage, and I see this guy walking up to me, and he gets closer, and I realize, that's Futuristic, right there in front of me, you know, and for those who don't know Futuristic, that's the artist that I was talking about earlier that, that got really big out of here, especially in 2015 is when he, like, blew, blew up, you know, um, he'd been on world tours and all that stuff, and he's a really good guy, too, um, 
But he came up to me, and I was like, oh, shit, what's up, man? I, I didn't know him, you know, but I was like, what's up? And he's like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, y'all, y'all are dope, whatever, you know. And also his DJ, Code Break, was there, too. And futuristic, he was like, hey, y'all play ball? And I'm like, uh, well, I mean, I don't, but they do, you know what I'm saying? So then I brought them over, and then they talked to him, we all talked to him, and then we took a picture or whatever, and that was it. And I think he invited us to play ball or something, and we didn't get to make it, but then he invited us to a show of his friends, um, who happened to be somebody that we know, too. Excuse me. We went there. We spoke, like, we sat at the bar, just talked and everything, chopped it up a little bit. Then he was saying that, um, you know, he had some songs that he was making, some new songs or whatever. And he just wanted to send us songs to see if we, if we like them, just to see, just to see what we thought, you know? Um, so he sent the songs to us that next day, right? And he just sent them via email. He's like, okay, here's the songs. If you, tell me if you like them, you know? And when we got them, we had our own separate group chat. And I remember we were like, okay, so we all need to meet up beforehand, like now, because I think he was talking about uh, coming over later on that night, just to see what we thought. Um, so we met up that daytime, listened to the songs more, um, kind of played over them a little bit, just in case. We didn't know what was gonna happen, but we just wanted to make sure we prepared just in case. Um, and this is like, to, to us, you know, Futuristic is like huge, you know what I mean? And he's, you know, he still has a lot going for him. Um, excuse me, so we played him a little bit. We you know, kind of practiced him a little bit for like a, maybe just like each song maybe like twice or whatever, just to see what we, if we can get the groove of him. And then later that night, he came by and he just asked, hey, you guys listen to him? We're like, yeah, we listen to him. He's like, you like him? We're like, yeah, that was actually really dope. And then in his head, he's like, you think you guys could play him maybe? You know, and just would that be a possibility? And we let each other, we were like, Right, we could try, you know. So. <laughs> we, we'll see what happens, you know. Let's, let's just put him on real quick, right. you know. He played the first song. We played that. He was like, he was like, like he was shocked, you know, because like I guess he, like not to say that no band could do that, but it was just mm -hmm. for him to see how invested we were in just learning it, you know. And that same night, at the end of that, he was like, okay, so I'm going on tour in three months, and. I'd be down to bring y'all with me if you guys are down. It's a possibility. I got to have to my management, of course, but I'd be down to bring y'all with me if you guys want. And we were like, we can see, you know, we'll, we'll see what's up, you know what I'm saying? Like, we'll, right. we'll, let, we'll talk it over and we'll let you know. We'll, we'll let you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have our people call your people. Our people was me. Right. Maybe Cal or maybe Emmett. <laughs> um, so I remember uh, Cal walked into the door, but as soon as they hit the corner, Myself, Germ, and Emmett were in the other one. We were like, what? Did that just happen? He just, you know, whatever. But we didn't say it out loud yet, though, because he was going out the door still. Right. And then Kyle walked into the door, and then when they closed the door, and he walked out. Kyle came back, and he, like, <laughs> we were all like, nigga, what just happened? Oh, my God. You know, he's just, right. we're like, well, right, well, let's not get our hopes up yet. But, right. like, that's manifestation, though. We're going we gonna to see what happens, what he says. Right. Um, we expected a, a response that next morning. He gave us a response that night, said, yeah, my manager's cool with it y'all coming on tour and then we started thinking like, okay all right so what am i gonna do about my job or this and that whatever because this is gonna be big you know um all of that and we went on tour with them and it was amazing you know we like i, I followed it on social media i saw it oh i didn't yeah. even know that thank you i'm yeah, glad that I you saw did it on tour i was like oh, yeah. okay it is even on tour? Okay. yeah man. <laughs> it was fun man yeah. uh yeah shout out to uh, films by levi by the way he's the one who documented everything you know and he's amazing but anyway um all of that happened because that one day when we did not feel like we were that confident in what we were about to do, mm. we did it anyway. There's the connection. That one time, that one moment, Damn. as many shows that we did that year, <clears throat> it makes some people feel like, well, this, you're doing all these other shows for no reason. No. 
it's not about expecting something to happen every show, but you're planting seeds. You just yeah. have to be patient in order to cultivate. Damn, that's deep, bro. It's true. It's very true. Bro. And we're, we're still growing, obviously, but like, for example, okay, I met you four years ago, four or five years ago, and I see where you're at now, you know, and I feel extremely blessed to be here in this room with you. Man, thank you for coming. Absolutely. But I remember thinking to myself when you got because you were on stage. I don't know if anybody knows that you were on stage, like and you were like you were performing. <laughs> but um I remember thinking to myself that you were dope, but I didn't know if I was gonna talk to you. And I was like, I'm not gonna talk to him. Let me just go talk. Hey yo, you dope as hell. And then you t- you reciprocated that energy to me. And it was very beautiful. And I was like, I had no idea that you were gonna do that, you know, like cause you you were dope. Like you were hyped too, you know, it was nice. I still remember it. I don't remember anything about that night. You don't have to. It was a very pivotal moment for me, mm. regardless of what it meant for you. Because different moments mean different things for different people. That's why I try to still be my best self at all times, because you never know what somebody needs in those moments and how right. powerful that can be for somebody. Um, but yeah, your words that day still motivate me to this day. I promise. Um, it's very true. And we're back full circle. And yeah. you allow me to come here and bless me with this opportunity just to just to chat with you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because we were, we were trying to link up. Yeah. And you held me accountable. You like, you're a tough dude to get a hold of. <laughs> So I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, you know what? I need, let me talk to you about kind of where I'm at personally with Mm -hmm. the podcast. I like like hearing you mention Futuristic and how he brought you on his tour. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I want to do with my podcast. I've built my platform up, all the social networks. I have a following on all the social networks. I've seen. Indeed, Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram, YouTube, and even the podcast platform. And what's important for me for the, the next year of my life is to focus on collaboration. I focused on my own creativity for the last seven years. Oh, broke the mic. For my <laughs> last, like, seven years. Because yeah. I wanted to find myself, not, not only as a man, but just as an artist, as a writer. I wanted to find myself. But now I'm at a point where I want to collaborate. And I yeah. want to, there's so many vo- voices that I know that don't have, uh, attention or don't have an outlet or don't have someone kind of like your friend was was for you that was like hey come on yeah. like you need come on you need to get out here yeah so what I want to use the free your energy podcast for specifically is to open myself up open my listeners up to other people to other people's journeys and I don't necessarily need it to be what I represent or what I bring to the table I'm open to people who bring something totally different who have opposing views. I, like, I'm open to that as well. Um, and I'm not, per se, looking for controversy. I think some people, there's one person in particular that I'm thinking of, that uh, this person mm-hmm. uh, is a famous person and a musician. Okay. Not going to say this person's name. You don't have to because you never know how this will go. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like this person is trying to create a platform of controversy mm. in the name of, you know, attention. And I don't care about that. Yeah. I care about just the genuine conversation, just genuinely trying to learn. Learn more about you, your journey. Maybe you could teach me something. That's what I care about. Yeah. I'm not really trying to, like, make myself stressed out looking for controversy. The reason I always enjoy talking to you every time, no matter how short or long a conversation is, is because, and we've all heard this, but so seldom practice this, is you listen genuinely to understand see what you can not necessarily take as in trying to grab something from me but what you can receive and 
I know I do the same thing because I genuinely love receiving what you have to say because you have some very beautiful things to say, even on your social media. I follow it. I've gone through, I've stocked your social media before and like double tap like 17 pictures as well, <laughs> <Okay>. you know. <laughs> Thank you. No Thank problem. You. You, your quotes are very beautiful. But um, you always open that up, like not just to where you're trying to teach people and that's it. You, you're a forever student and you're not afraid to admit that. Always. It's a lot that I don't know. Mm-hmm. A lot that I don't know. I think people get ca- caught up with having to prove <clears throat> how much they know or how smart they they are. I know that I'm smart, but smart is relative. Like intellectual is yeah, relative. Exactly. Like, what are you basing it off of? Who are you, you comparing know? it to? Yeah. Um, yeah. So because of that, I always want to keep the mindset of I just need to be a student and I need to keep learning. Yeah. That's what I want to do uh, in 2019. 2018, I really focused on trying to understand the podcast platform, mm-hmm. how to present the art, which is like pre-show, we talked about certain things like not to do, to do things that make yeah, it yeah. kind of bad for the listener, and we avoided all those things. Yeah, But that's because I made the mistakes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to do them to realize like, oh, don't do that anymore, you know? When you're paving, like, okay, a road seldom taken is often unpaved. So when you are paving the way, you're gonna uh, hit those, um, hit those, uh, those. Well, they were calling roadblocks, but there's no road for the block. Let's call them potholes. Exactly. Okay, you got <laughs> potholes. You got uh, just random debris. Whatever. You're paving the road. So yeah, you're gonna hit those mistakes. But then, not only everyone after you, but like yourself after you will know what road to take and how to maneuver it and stuff like that. So it's yep. After you're figuring it out, hitting those potholes and roadblocks. Bo- now, 2020 needs to be more, uh, less about me and more about giving, more about my guests, more about other people's journeys. So <clears throat> we talked about this off camera, but uh, I want you to be one of my reoccurring guests. When you watch your favorite TV show mm-hmm. and they have those guests that come on like every couple episodes, you know, you like uh, one I loved was Home Improvement. Did you ever watch uh, that yeah, show? Yeah, yeah, Mr. Tim Wilson, Tim you know? Yeah, Mr. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, you never see his face, but he, he'll but pop up him. every couple episodes. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Wilson, you know? And and so that's what I what I really want to cultivate for the podcast yeah. where I'm bringing guests on consistently. Yeah. Uh, so one, my listeners can get used to them, get used to their journeys. But then also the other reason is because, like you mentioned, you said that I'm a busy person. Mm-hmm. Well, I had to, I realized something about myself. I'm a busy person because I prioritize my creativity. I prioritize my family. I prioritize my health, mm-hmm. the gym. And I don't like doing a lot of things that are like just social. Like yeah. let's just go to the bar. Yeah. I don't really like it. You know, I will do it, yeah. but I don't really it's enjoy it. It's not your it. thing though. Yeah. It's not yeah. my yeah. thing. I got you. So then I I was sitting one day and I'm thinking, I'm like, dude, just invite all the people you want to see on your podcast. That's perfect. Drink know? some tea, you if know. They're, if they're well-spoken and, and they're as diverse as you are, they'll be down to just come sit and drink some tea. Right. You know, just talk, we're just talking. Right. And, it, and then because of what I built, it actually should be able to benefit them too. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times people want to get a benefit. Like, yeah. oh, you know, uh, if I can edit the stuff the right way and present it the right way, it should benefit them as well. Yeah. Because now it's more eyes on their journey. And that's what we all want is support. That's all it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that with you so you could kind of get, like, some of the back end to, I guess, just kind of understand where I'm at. I feel blessed to be, um, that you are, you felt, that you feel, I know that you're, um, you're open and honest and everything, but the fact that you feel safe enough with me to be able to share something like that with me is 
nothing short of a blessing. So thank you. Thank you. I don't want to sound all whatever, but that's it's too, I'm just like that. I'm I'm really it. big on vulnerability, and yeah. I don't not just because I just give it just easily. I mean, granted, I give it, but yeah. I know that it takes a lot, you know, for many people. And even if it doesn't, it's still a very sacred thing. You're sharing you with me. Yeah. And I'm. Um, that's something that you. It, it's just. It's so sacred, you know. Yeah. So I'm appreciative. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I want to stay. It's also going to allow me to stay more tapped into other people. I want to serve and I want to help. One of the best ways I can help is to shut up and listen. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, come on down. Get get everything off your chest. Talk yeah. to me. Let me listen. You know. Yeah. Now it's like. I feel like. I feel like this segment has like advanced our friendship. Because I've learned stuff about your journey, about your past. Indeed. Um, and now I have a little bit of a clue of where you're going. So let's do this last segment. Okay. The Free Your Energy final segment for this <clears throat> this episode. Talk to me about your 2020. What it's going to be like uh, professionally, personally, however you want to talk about it. There's no rules here. Just what do you envision? What are you setting your intention towards? And, what can I help you with, if anything? Okay. Um, again, thank you for opening up the space for me to speak this. Um, so, 2020, let's start uh, with, let's say, for music, okay? Let's talk about my band, because that's um, priority. And I'll share a quick story in regards to this. Um, but ultimately, is to further the, not just our journey, but to help others in their journey. Because just as you were saying, like, one of the main things that even got us to where we are, First Friday, that's, like, the main thing that we're known for. And I can humbly say we have become one of the biggest parts of First Friday, you know? And it's not, like, we, we, we desire fame, yes, but not for the reason of just being famous. We really want to spread the message of uh, unity, of collaboration. That's really what we are about in our, at our core. And trying new things, trying something that you're not used to, um, opening yourself up to that, and being more willing to listen to other things that you usually wouldn't. Um, that's what we want to encourage people to do. That's why we desire fame, to try to encourage people, like as many people to reach as many people as we can, and encourage people to like be open and understand that we're all connected. We are literally one, you know? Um, we've all heard that before, but it's the truth. It is, regardless of what you believe, whether you believe in ash to ashes, dust to dust, whether you have different types of... Um, uh, uh, like theology that you have, whatever practices you follow, any of that, we are all connected regardless. And there's been a lot of wars waged because we can't agree on how we're connected. But the fact is we are, you know. But anyway, to not delve it too deep into that part, 2020 for me, um, in regards to the band, that's been definitely the focus for, on a personal level because we, ever since losing our other members, we've grown so much closer. We just have. And even, like, they live together. And I live far, but, like, I'm still, like, I'm like the Green Ranger, almost, you know? <laughs> um, go, go, Power Rangers. <laughs> but, um, no, we, uh, like, we still stay connected. You know, we hang out sometimes, too. Uh, of course, they live together, but sometimes, like, after a show, we'll all just go do something or maybe to get some food before a show or whatever. And that's really, uh, like, a lot of our rehearsals, when we first started, weren't really rehearsals. They were just us vibing together, and that's what made us play well together. And even if we weren't playing the absolute, like, most pristine in regards to skill, we were felt because we were genuine with each other, and those in front of us would feel us. So our goal is to continue to 
maximize that, exponentially increase that. Because, excuse me, we really want to encourage people to be themselves. And I like to say, I just learned this recently, to take up space. Um, a good friend of mine by the name of Adrian, I just met him recently, and he's like, I already become a good friend of mine, met them uh, recently. And they were telling me that it's really important, and we all know this, but we have to hear it sometimes, because um, mental manifestations are a very beautiful thing, but verbal manifestations are that much more powerful. Um, but yeah, taking up space exactly as we are. Um, encouraging others to do the same thing. And even finding other people that do the same thing we do and not trying to tear them down, you know? Um, for example, there's a group, a collective by the name of Mahogany Four. They are, uh, they're not as, uh, as long-running established as we are yet, but I genuinely believe that it doesn't matter how long you've been here, you know? What you're doing when you are here is what matters. And they're doing very beautiful things, but um, I know uh, one of the vocalists in that group by the name of Ronnie Dijon, he's a good friend of mine too. We don't talk crazy often, but that's definitely a good friend of mine. And I've known him since when I, I met you in 2015 is when I met him too. Um, at an event by I Am Root. Shout out to I Am Root 100% because they are a big reason why I'm who I am too. Um, excuse me. We were speaking one time, and I remember he was telling me, because his group's fairly new, and he was telling me that like he was having some struggles with, uh, you know, feeling like maybe the collective name was overpowering his individual name. And I was, it was just random and crazy that he brought that up to me. Because I was struggling with the same thing years before that, when I first got in the band, you know? Because I was already kind of established, not crazy huge, but like I had my own name. And then eventually with the band, The Color 8 came around and I felt like Ashton Von Charles is no more because people are going to know The Color 8 and not Ashton Von Charles. But that's not the right way to think about it. It's just not. Because in reality, if you really are for the collective, and the collective is for you as you are for them, then that is literally just an extension of you. And sometimes it's hard to grasp that as, an, as a solo artist. That's why a lot of big groups break up, you know? Um, <clears throat> excuse me, aside from like, sometimes it's like money and stuff too, whatever, but ultimately from people being more selfishly um, and egotistically like self-centered, I'll say. Um, because we don't wanna lose our identity. But when in reality, the moment that you realize that your collective is you, when people see you and they say, oh, like when people see me, they say the color eight. I don't see that as like, I'm Ashton. No, I see it as, yes, that is Ashton. The color eight is Ashton. Ashton is the color eight. The color eight is Cal. The color eight is Emmett. The color eight is Germ, just as much as it is, as it is me. And I was advising him too, that you, um, like, that you have to really understand like, even if it takes time for you to get there, understand that if your collective is really what you say that it is, which they are, I know this because I've seen them, then you identifying yourself as an individual will not take away from you identifying yourself yourselves as a collective. They will only feed each other. And that itself, I've watched them blossom even more so, and I absolutely love that collective. Uh, Mahogany Four, they are amazing. Um, seeing them live is like crazy and you can see their chemistry and I can also see the growth ever since that conversation too. It's a real struggle that we all have because we, for years, like until our adulthood, our early adulthood, we, we try to, we aim for, you know, to be ourselves, to be somebody, to right. under, learn who we are and then to be that person. Um, and sometimes when something bigger than you um, is happening, you feel like it's taken away from you when in reality, if it's bigger than you, it still is you, 100% you. 
you know. Um, so we want to encourage people to do that. That's really our goal to continue that. That's a cycle that we that we're trying to keep going up. Like we're trying to keep increasing, increasing, increasing because the more we can spread that message, um, the more it, it might inspire somebody else to do something even better than us. You know, no matter how big we get, I don't care if we got to like. Uh, Michael Jackson level, whatever, or Drake level, whatever, like as far as statistics go, whatever. We need to, like we're creating and being ourselves and we want to encourage other people to do the same, no matter how far it takes you, as long as you maximize how far you can go. That's our goal. Um, on a more, uh, I guess, monetary level, we want to, of course, like try to make more money on what we do, but not because we're chasing the money, but because it would There's help There's nothing wrong to, with that, though. There's nothing wrong with that at all. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't, I don't like how people vilify when someone is, hey, I want to make some money. Yeah. At the end of the day, you have to pay your bills. You do. You have bills, um, kids, girlfriend, mm-hmm. you know, if a mother father gets sick, you know, that's going to fall on the kid. So yeah. the whole mindset of, uh, you know, money is evil. No, it's not. It's not. I don't buy into that. Money is, to me, a representation of the value that you've offered the world. Mm-hmm. If I go look at my account and there's a million dollars right now, that's a million dollars of effort of helping, or entertaining, or teaching someone. That's what people pay for. Help, entertainment, or, or teaching, learning. That's what we pay for. Uh, so the college I went to, when I leave that college, I had $90,000 in debt. Mm. They taught me something. Yeah. When I go to the Phoenix Suns basketball game tomorrow and spend $150, I'm going to spend that because they're going to entertain me. Yeah. You know, when I see a psychiatrist, I give them $100 an hour. They help me. Yeah. They help me. They entertain me. They taught me something. That's yeah. what. That's how money is. I never thought of it in those words before. That's that's a dope way to think of that. That's really... Uh... Yeah, so I'll never shame that, you know? Yeah. I go see the Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. entertainment. Entertainment, that's what it is. And, and sometimes you, you, you learn something. both. You know what I'm <laughs> so I'm never going to shame money, people who want to make money. I want to make money. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be broke. I've yeah. been broke. Yeah. I've been very broke. Yeah. I don't want that. Yeah. I don't like that experience. I'm going to still have problems in life. I still need to find my own inner transformation. Mm-hmm. I still need to take my glasses off and see reality for what it is. But I'd rather do that with a little bit of money yeah. a lot, or a yeah. lot of it. Yeah, okay. Whatever whatever the marketplace determines uh, they want to give me for my efforts. The fact is, um, the world that we live in, a lot of people, uh, what do you say, uh, vilify. I like that word, That's and I, I, got, I got it now. So anyway, a lot of people vilify... Um, uh, monetary gain for what you do, but the main people who do so are the ones who are taught that it's um, it's bad, you know. So why antagonize somebody for trying to gain something that is literally, I don't say, not the root of evil at all, but the root of our economy. It's literally our economy, mm-hmm. you know. And there are people who, like, okay, at my level, right, I'm not, I'm not anywhere near, like, wealthy or nothing, right? I'm working class just as anybody else or a lot of people anyway, and I have no shame in that. Um, but there's people who literally, because they don't have at least half of what I have, they are on the street right now. And if they had a little bit more, even the people who are who know how to use it, um, they can still be on the street because they don't have it yet, you know? And why not pursue something that can help you live a comfortable enough life? Why to not? Where, literally, why not? It makes no sense why you Why are you, you know, even working, like, just to struggle? Exactly. Like exactly. What's the, what, what's the, yeah, so I'm going to work my whole life just so I can struggle. Like, who aims for that? No one actually aim, should aim should, for that. Yeah, you're right. No that that should. shouldn't be the aim. 
the aim should be I want to work because I, it gives me joy or fulfillment or yeah. you know I'm doing something I like or something I'm good at. Yeah. But I don't want to struggle my whole life. I exactly. want to. You be still need to make some of. money. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, cause that's people. Uh, you see, I'm like <laughs> people who claim that you don't need money. That's not the main thing. It's no, you, your your love for what you do is very important. But I mean, if what you love, let's say if you love. Um, Ice skating, right? Okay, great. That's it's an art form. It's a sport, and there are ways to make money on it. However, it's a very small percentile that do make it that way, right? In the meantime, it is still important that you find a way to live comfortably, right? Yep. And in doing so, like what I always tell, I tell my sisters this all the time because I learned this the hard way. Find what you love. If what you love can give you a career, pursue that, like vigorously. With the, still take care of you, take care of your bills, but pursue that, one hundred percent. And if what you love cannot give you a career, let's say if you love, uh, I don't know, something random like just, I don't know, let's say you love candles, but you're not really that good at making them, whatever, right? Um, make sure you find a career that does not drain you too much to where at the end of the day, you cannot come home and make your own candle. Absolutely. Use your use your career to finance your side hustle. Exactly. That's what literally what I did. Yeah. So when, when people look at me now, they're like, oh, you're this author, I need this advice, you're yeah. on this podcast. I worked my job. Yeah. I worked in corporate America from 2010 to 2014. Yeah. And what I made sure I did was I was in the top 1%. Yeah. I worked. I gave it everything I had. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't waste time. I was trying to learn, I was trying to ask questions, I was trying to network, meet the right people, and I was moving up the ladder. I put my first book out in 2013. In 2013, I started selling my book to customers at my job, which I wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to do yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah, I got you. But it, it kind of just happened naturally through talking with them. It, that's the way it happened. I wasn't, I didn't wake up and say, all right, I'm about to go to work today and sell my book to them. Yeah, yeah. That's not what I was trying to do. But once I started selling my book to people, that's when I realized, like, whoa, maybe I need to, like you say, like, go, go a little bit deeper into this. Mm-hmm. So then I bought a couple ads on Amazon. My book was on Amazon. Yeah. So I bought a couple ads on Amazon to get more attention on my book. Yeah. So it wasn't telling people to buy the book. It was just saying, hey, you're looking for this type of book. Also, this look at this type of here. book. Yeah. It was just making the recommendation. So when I, I think I had about 100 bucks worth of ads, which yeah. is nothing in yeah. ad, ad, uh, ad it's space. Not, it's not. So because of that, it got maybe, and I don't remember the numbers, but maybe like 1,000 more clicks. Yeah. Not buys, but just people, 1,000 more yeah. people clicked on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And then from there... 10 more people bought my book than normally. Mm-hmm. So I was just looking at it like, wow. This is what I was texting you about the other day. Yeah. I said to myself, how do I scale this? Mm. I need to take the thousand <clears throat> eyes because if a thousand eyes looked at my book, 10 people bought it, simple math, the book is $10. Let's just not even talk about shipping or nothing. Let's right. just let's, assume let's I make $10, okay. right? If I sell 10 books and I make $10, that's $100. Mm-hmm. Well, I spent $100 to get that. Well, damn, what if I could scale it more? Right. What if I could get 10,000 eyes? Right. So that's what I was thinking in 2013 yeah. when I was at my job. Um, that's when I started my social media accounts. I didn't have yeah. social media at all. I see. I didn't use it one bit because I was just focused on my career. And then I thought about social media. Well, the, on social media is a person. The other end, when you look at like, comment, follow, mm-hmm user hat it's a person so when i put that together i said wow i need to post on social media every day Mm -hmm. because there may be a thousand eyes out there 
That's yeah. literally what I told myself. And I said, this is how you scale a business. We talked about Nike earlier. Yeah. Nike is one, one of the top brands in the world, top companies yeah. in the world. They are number one in marketing budget mm. still to this day because they understand that the more eyes on my product, the more revenue we'll make. Naturally. And for them, it's not just about making revenue because they employ people. Mm. So they're taking care of people's families. They're taking care of people's careers. They're giving people purpose. To go back to something we were talking about earlier, it's amazing. how These conversations always mm -hmm, just come mm -hmm. like full, full circle. circle. Yeah. So to go back to what we were talking about earlier, I never would have put my books out if my friend Will didn't tell me to. Because he came to my house. No one knows it. I've never told this story on my podcast. He came to my house, and I had eight different notebooks. Now, the notebooks, I, I write on front and back because I don't like wasting paper. I'm a writer, you know? Yeah, yeah. So he's looking, and he's like, yeah, you're not in school anymore. What, what is this? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's just nothing. Stop. Get, get yeah. out of there. Give me that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he grabs it, and he's like, dude, you got to put this stuff out. I'm like, why? He's like, this is good. And you never expect that from one of your friends, you know, that yeah. you just play video games with, work out with. You never expect them to enable you your art. You, you just don't. never expect it. He said, yeah, you need to put this out. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, if you don't share what you're doing with the world, you are doing the world an injustice. Mm. Mm. And when he said that, I said, okay. So then I put everything together, and I'm selling my books at work. I, I'm writing the books. I'm listening to Will tell me, like, put this stuff out. And then I realized, like, I have a duty to my purpose to try to put out what I'm doing. And not necessarily chasing the fame or chasing the money, but but chasing the, the progress in the process of just putting it out. Mm. And whoever's going to listen is going to listen. This might get one view. It might get one million. Yeah. But I got to chase the art of creating, creating it and then putting it out and just saying, hey, do what you do absolutely i love that i absolutely love that because it's um i i like okay when you talked about how um if you don't share what you do with the world then you're doing the world an injustice i love that and it's not i want just to expound on that briefly um it's not to say that every person's art form needs to be shared in that way right because sometimes what you are doing what you can do for the world is bettering yourself right. and continue to practice what you've learned for yourself while you're in the world because a lot of that still comes from self yep you know and in people talk about self-care all the time but if you remember and understand that we are all connected like that person is you so taking care of each other and taking care of yourself is helping to take care of everybody I never else thought of that that's deep it's the truth um yeah like self-care is taking care of other people it is yeah cuz like i not to sound all what it, I don't care what it sounds like. I am you, and you are me. Yeah. We are right here. Yeah. And if I am taking care of me, I'm taking care of you. Yeah. Because me being at my best is also going to, so when you see me, it'll be more pleasant for you, just on a worldly level, let's say. Yeah. And when it's more pleasant for you, it makes it a better experience for you, too. And maybe you'll right. be more receptive to whatever I have to give or bring or whatever the heck. And there's, there's so many different directions that can go in. Yep. Ultimately, taking care of yourself is helping the world. And I it agree. is okay if you, because we all have something in us that wants to save everybody. Save the world, period. And it's okay if you can only save one person. And it is also okay if that one person is you. Absolutely. That's what it is. You make a better experience for everyone when you operate at your highest level. Exactly. exactly. At, when you're at your highest level, you're inspiring people. People are like, oh, okay. 
I gotta go get it. I yeah, gotta go. Exactly. Come on. I gotta. I gotta be my highest level. If he could be or she could be at his or her highest level, yeah. I can also be there. You're exactly. setting that example because you're 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 vibrating there. Twenty twenty. You told me about your 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 band. Yes. Personally, what's something you're looking to to, to achieve? I've been working on uh, more financial literacy um, because. In like, I used to be the really st um, financially stable friend back when fourteen dollars an hour was a lot. <laughs> um, I was like, you know, I was working for my time. I was working at, at a bank, you know, and I was um, lived by myself. I was one of the only people who did at the time of my friends anyway. And I wasn't like rich, obviously, but like I was comfortable, right? Um, and then I started going through different struggles around the time that I started getting into my music stuff too. Um, not directly related, but it came down to my own priorities, which I had to get straight anyway. Um, I also went through a significant loss, and like I said, we can expound on that another time too. Yep. I have no problem doing that. But um, around that time, I started letting things just go, um, not really taking care of things that I should have. And it was very bittersweet because I learned that I should not stress about losing things if I do, if I do, because you, you can lose anything even when you're in a safe space, you know? Um, but... So I was not doing the best financially around that time, and then I started to kind of fall off of um, my priorities as well when it came to finances. And over the past like year and a half, I've been prioritizing them a lot better, but I've still been struggling. But because I've been prioritizing them, I've still been able to maintain. Um, now that I'm in a more comfortable position, I don't want to just, Excuse me, the way people grow comfortable, like as far as financially comfortable, I don't mean just comfortable in the place of complacency, yep. but yep. financially comfortable yep. is um, you have to, it's not just by having more money, but really knowing what to do with it when you have it. True. And yeah. that um, I learned that years ago, but I had to relearn that again in the past few years. And now that I'm in a space where I'm growing to have more comfort where I am. I wish to maintain that because if I wasn't ma doing that in the first place, like over the past, even just the past several months until recently, mm -hmm. um, I would have lost everything that I had. So that's <coughs> definitely important to me um, as far as for this coming year because that's going to help me be, um, I don't really stress out that easily, but that'll also help prevent any possible stress there Absolutely. in regards to that side of things. Um, It'll also help me be in a more comfortable space where I can operate at my highest self without having any um, impeding like thoughts of whatever could happen or whatever, you know. Yep. And that's just all going to contribute to me being at my highest self, you know. It's not everything, yep. but it's definitely important. Yep. It matters. Mm -hmm. It matters. That's, want, that's one of my goals right now. So yeah. yeah, I want to thank you for coming today. Yeah, we could go on and on and on. Okay. But what I want to <laughs> do is. Like I said, I want to keep you coming back, man. I want to just stay tapped into your journey, absolutely. Uh, as a as an artist, as a as just as a person, really. That's what that's the most important thing. Yeah, all that other stuff you. comes and go. Where you work at, your yeah, artistry, yeah, yeah, exactly. All that stuff comes and go. One day I won't have any books. One day I won't have a podcast. But yeah. All this stuff is temporary. So, uh, I just want to make sure I try to stay tapped in. That's one of my things for twenty twenty. I got to tap tap in more. Yeah. Uh, and be more involved in other people's lives. That's my biggest goal in 2020. Can I leave on one note, though? Absolutely. I want to leave on this. Um, what's super important, uh, something that I learned, because growing up, I always thought the science was my thing. Like, I thought I was going to get I'm still, I'm really into, like, astrophysics and stuff, you know? Um, but I found music, or music found me, really, and I found out that that's my thing. Music's my thing. Recently, in recent years, I learned that music is not my thing. Music is not my, my, um, my purpose. It's not. Music is 
the tool that I use for my purpose, right? To walk in my truth, to um, spread what I'm supposed to, why I'm here. And what I mean by that is like, what do I do music for, right? Like, what do you really do your art for? Um, and in reality, what it comes down to is any kind of artistry is our highest self speaking to, or your highest self speaking to our worldly selves in a language that we can understand. Because, you know, if you think of just language, for example, um, every single word or, or term or whatever has an idea or a concept associated with it, a definition, whatever, but not uh, like a feeling, but not every feeling has a word for it. This doesn't. And it's the truth. And it's so when it comes to expressing, you know, and truly expressing from your heart, you know, as we say, as a cliche thing, whatever, but from your heart, um, that is your highest self speaking through your worldly self. Wow. So I just want to leave it on that, you know. It's the, very, it's the truth. I had to learn that music's not my thing. Vulnerability is my thing. Um, unity is my thing. Um, I mean, you can also always say love is my thing too, yeah. but you know, um, all of these concepts are things that are beyond worldly stuff, you know? Wow. Man. <laughs> it's, this is my, that's my perspective, obviously, but yeah. Damn, that's deep, bro. Well, thank you. I'm, Glad that you received it at least, and I received everything you were saying too, because you you taught me a few things today. Okay, <laughs> like the word vilify. Vilify. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word. Though. It is definitely, and the way the way you you such a wordsmith that the way you used it, I instantly knew what it meant. Context clues. Yes. Yeah. You got to put the context clues in the sentence. It definitely worked out. Because if you read something and you have to look up, look it up, you just you're like, oh, I'm not interested in this. Yeah, exactly. You, you know. know? <laughs> so yeah, a good writer, a great writer uses context clues to make sure that everything is cohesive. And you are an amazing writer. Yeah. I can tell that just yeah. by the way you speak. You know. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you for listening yeah, to a... this mega episode. <laughs> it was a long one. Yes, the mega episode. Uh, where can we find you on social media? You can find me, search for, um, if you search at Ashton Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-N, Charles. That's on Instagram, Facebook, stuff like that. Or on Twitter, if you search for one word, at Dapper Rapper, A-V-C. I'm going to put you on the spot. All right, what's up? You know what's coming. Uh-oh. What's going on? Give give us a give us a little something something. Ah, uh, I don't know. Let me see. Nah, no. They, they, go, go go follow follow. Go, go, go check, it, go, check out. it out. Okay. Go check it out. Because okay. I people you know especially me being a rapper. Yeah, I get that all the time. Like, yeah, I know oh, you're a rapper. Good. Spit something yeah, real quick. Give me something I'm like, right now. I'm like, nigga, come to the show. Right, right. How about right, that? Right. I'll come to your show too if you come to mine. I promise you, I will. Okay, we'll <laughs> check it out. We'll check it out. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you got some type of value uh, out of today's talk out of this this bonding over some good tea. Uh, it's beautiful weather out here in Arizona right now. Mm-hmm. If you don't have good weather, just drink some tea <laughs> and think positive thoughts. That's all you can do. Just uh, okay. think positive, light your sage and your candles, and, and spend time with family and friends, and you know that's what it's all about. So I'm your host, Sylvester McNutt III. I'm leaving. You are leaving. I hope you continue to free your energy.